So, what do you talk about on Father's Day? I, I already mentioned that when you say the word Father, there's a huge variety of thoughts that come to people's minds. And we have all of those different factions here in this auditorium. Uh, anything that you talk about fathers, basically, uh, people are going to hear with different ears. It's difficult to decide what to talk about on Father's Day. Let me, let me show you how difficult it is. There's a verse in the Bible, a passage about Father's Day. It's a good Father's Day verse. Uh, but you look at it, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, and you got a lot of options. Verse 1 says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. So you could pick a sermon to children and tell them, you got to obey your father. It'd be a good sermon. Second verse says, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you. So you could talk again to children and tell them that, well, you got to honor your parents. Actually, you could preach that to children and adults. Uh, it doesn't have an age limit on it. Adults are supposed to honor their parents also. Third verse says, Father, do not provoke your children to anger. So I could spend half hour telling fathers what not to do. Uh, list all the things that are wrong that a father should not ever do to children. The last verse of that passage says, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's addressed to fathers, but it applies to parents. Uh, parents have that role of bringing children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's a simple job description, but it's staggering. To think about the responsibility of bringing children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So let's think about that a little bit today. Uh, let's cut it down to size a bit and see what discipline and instruction of the Lord possibly means. Uh, I think there is a book, I know there is a book, that tells us what that is. The old book of Proverbs is a book of guidelines for raising children. Uh, it's a book from a father to a son, sharing his wisdom. That's how the book starts. Uh, we tend to read the book of Proverbs in little half-verse parcels. Uh, we pick out a half-verse here and a half-verse there, and that's what a proverb is, a general truism that true most of the time. So we pick those out, and there's some of them we like and some of them we don't like, but we pick those out, and that's kind of how we read Proverbs, is go through and pick out the favorite little parts of verses. But if you look at Proverbs in the big picture, what it is, is here's a book of what a wise father wants to tell his children. It's addressed from a father to a son, but it applies to sons and daughters and fathers and mothers and all that. So what I intend to call this sermon this morning is a father's wisdom, because that's kind of what Proverbs is. In fact, the very first chapter, verse 8, says that. 
the writer, Solomon, says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. And that's what the rest of the book is about. Here's the wisdom that I want to share with you. Now, you can go through Proverbs and pick out probably a couple of hundred good points to teach your children. Uh, You can pick out the top 50, the top 10, the top 5. In fact, if you Google, uh, what should you teach children? Well, you'll find a whole lot of that. Here's the top 10 things to teach children. Here's the top 15 things. Here's the top 5 things to teach children. And all those are good, but you'll notice as you look through those lists, almost all of them are from Proverbs. Uh, Basically, they come from this book that we're going to look at a little bit today. Could have picked 100. Like I said, I picked six. So let's go through six here real quickly uh, that the writer of Proverbs talked about his wisdom. Proverbs 9.10, Solomon says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. If you want wisdom, you start with fearing the Lord. Solomon says it is wise to fear God. Now, I know there's a problem there because on Know Your Bible, we get many questions that ask that. Why should I fear God? If he's a good God, why should I fear God? And we explain that best we can. Basically, there's two words for fear in the Hebrew. English just has one, but Hebrew has two, and one of them means terror or dread. And the other one means basically stand in awe. And obviously, when Solomon wrote Proverbs 9 and 10, he was talking about the stand in awe part. Uh, So we try to explain that. No, we don't fear a a monster God that's just, just waiting to destroy us, waiting for us to mess up. We're not in fear that way. But we respect, we revere, we desire to please. Uh, We fear, in a sense, displeasing him because of who he is. Uh, So that's where Solomon says, start with your children. That's the beginning of wisdom. So parents, fathers, you've got to teach them that. Uh, Teach the attributes of God. Look for ways to explain them when things happen in this life. Uh, Both the goodness and the severity of God we're told to pay attention to. Uh, Learn who God is. Do that by telling Bible stories. Uh, If you can't tell them, make sure you get them to Sunday school. Uh, Don't just send them to Sunday school. Bring them to Sunday school. We'll talk more about that later. But uh, teach them to fear the Lord. The beginning of that is parental authority. That's where they start to understand uh, what fearing a good God is, the proper exercise of parental authority. Uh, The world today doesn't want that done. They've done everything they can to destroy parental authority because that's where people start to learn about heavenly authority. Uh, But 
if children learn what parental authority is and, and understand it well, then they've got a lot better chance of understanding uh, to fear God. Uh, I often think that one of the best defenses that teenagers have uh, when they're tempted is to be able to say, I can't do that. My parents would kill me. Okay? And mean it. <laughs> if they understand that, if they respect and revere their parents and under, don't want to displease them and understand what's expected of them, they start to understand what God is like. So fathers, parents, there's the first one I picked from Proverbs. It's wise to fear God. Second one, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, Solomon says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Another translation says, guard your heart, uh, for, it, for out of it comes your conduct. And the Bible uses heart in a lot of different ways, but easiest to think of it as your mind. It's the seat of your thoughts, your emotions, your will. It's everything. Uh, that's what you got to guard. Today we'd say, guard your mind. Uh, be careful what you put in there. Uh, make sure you're very careful about that. It's wise to guard your mind. Uh, and parents, fathers, you start out guarding your child's mind. That's your responsibility for a long time. As you do that, you begin to train them in how to guard their own mind. And eventually they take over that responsibility. But at the start, you're in charge of guarding their mind. Uh, the world hates that right now. The world is doing everything it can to tell parents that that's not their right to guard their child's mind. Well, it is. Uh, that's what you're charged to do. And every parent has a different way of doing that. Some more restrictive than others, but... Just understand that's your responsibility. Guard what goes into their minds. Years and years ago, uh, these children are raised now and have godly children of their own, but Cindy and I were babysitting some children from church here, and a couple of them were downstairs with me. They're fairly young. I don't remember how old, but seven, eight, somewhere in there. And I proposed watching a movie. I said, would you like to watch this? And they looked at each other and said, have mom and dad watched that yet? And I thought, what's that got to do with anything? And they said, we can't watch a movie unless mom and dad watched it and tell us we can watch it. And the older sibling was upstairs and they yelled upstairs and asked that sibling, said, have mom and dad watched this yet? That sibling said, nope. The two younger ones said, nope, we can't watch it. Okay, somebody was guarding their mind. Okay, that's a parent's responsibility. A father's, it's wise to guard your mind. And like I said, it's getting harder and harder. The world system is attacking our children. And then when parents try to guard their children, they attack the parents for guarding the children. That's the world we live in today. 
This is a lot harder than it was when I raised my two boys. Uh, You parents have got a huge task on your hands today, but it's wise to guard your mind. Number three, Proverbs 13.20, Solomon said, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Uh, Solomon says, here's a thing I would tell my son. It's wise to pick your companions. Select your companions carefully. 1 Corinthians 15.33, of course, is the, the main guideline. It says, bad company corrupts good character. God, I've never liked that verse. I don't think that's fair. I don't know why it works that way in this world. You know, you you would, why shouldn't good elevate bad? Why shouldn't you be able to take a barrel of rotten apples and put a good one in it and it heal all the bad ones? And most of you say, well, that's because that doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. That's not the way the world is. Uh, One rotten apple spoils the barrel. Okay. Not fair, but that's the way it is. And because of that's the way it is, uh, that's why Solomon put this piece of wisdom in there. Uh, You need to select your companions. Now, once again, parents start that job. Parents got to kind of be on the offensive here and start teaching children who's a good companion and who isn't. Uh, that child's a good influence on you. That one's not such a good influence on you. And you got to start that early because when they get to be teens, it's going to be harder and harder. But by the time they're teens, hopefully you've done it enough for them and with them that they understand that. They have that discernment that it's not just I pick a friend because they're fun and Everybody likes them and fun to be around. It's selecting your companions. That person is good for me. That person makes me better. That that person will keep me away from things that some others would get me into. So it's wise to select your companions. Number four. It's wise to watch your words. Proverbs 4.24 says, Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Uh, Number one, of course, in watching your words is the matter of truth. Uh, Children need to be taught that very early. That truth is important. Uh, Lying is a (laughs) no-no. That doesn't work. Uh, If you don't teach your child that, then somebody else is going to have to. Uh, When I was raising children, uh, you could get away with a whole lot, uh, but lying wasn't one of them. You you could do a lot of things and make a lot of mistakes and get treated pretty easily. But if you lied about it, there was big trouble. And that carried over into the world. And when I worked in the business world, uh, I, I would put up with a lot from a lot of people, but when they lied to me, it was pretty well over. Okay. So watching your words, of course, starts with telling the truth. That's super important. But if you look through the Bible, 
uh, the New Testament and see the lists of sins that Paul and others list sometimes, it's amazing how many of them are tied to the mouth. It's amazing how many sins are tied to the tongue. Gossip, slander, foul language, on and on and on. The tongue causes a lot of trouble. And I think that's one reason that Solomon put this as one of his wisdom points he would teach his son. Uh, you got to watch your mouth. Number five, it's wise to learn to work. Proverbs 6, 6, Solomon said, look at the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. He goes on in the next couple of verses to describe what the ant does. And what he says is the ant doesn't have a boss. doesn't have a ruler or an officer over him. But that ant works and gathers food and stores it for the future. He says, look at that and be wise. What he's talking about is having a work ethic, being self-motivated, if you will, uh, to do a job and do it well. He uses the term sluggard. That's kind of the opposite of somebody with a work ethic. A sluggard makes excuses about why they can't work and won't work. And over and over through Proverbs, Solomon says a sluggard goes and lead to poverty, going to lead to uh, uh, hunger, going to lead to failure, uh, get you in bad places. Uh, work ethic's important. Uh, it's even more important than it used to be because used to, it was kind of common. A lot of people had work ethic. Uh, today, if you've got a work ethic, you stand out. Uh, it's a rare thing today. Fathers, teach your children. Uh, teach them to learn to work. If they want to be successful in life, uh, having a worth of work ethic will get you a long, long way. Number six, Proverbs 3, 9. Solomon says, honor the Lord with your wealth. It's wise to manage your money. There is a lot about money in Proverbs. Uh, in fact, I was thinking of all the things that Solomon says, and I thought Solomon was kind of the B.C. Dave Ramsey. Uh, he got a lot of that in there. Uh, Proverbs says don't co-sign alone with anybody. Proverbs says don't get hooked up and get rich quick teams. Proverbs says uh, if you're a debtor, you're a slave. They got a lot of very modern money management techniques in the book of Proverbs. Uh, but what he says first is, honor the Lord with your wealth. Uh, all things belong to God. Uh, we have everything we have through him, and uh, we tithe first. We honor him with our wealth and with our spending habits and all that. It's wise to manage your money. Children need to learn that. All right, there's six things. I called it a checklist. Uh, I called it that because I intend for you fathers, for mothers and fathers, to just look at this list and kind of evaluate yourself. How you doing? Uh, these aren't necessarily Solomon's top six. Uh, they're pretty good six. 
The first one, I think, is top one, but uh, the others are in there somewhere. But just take these, and you can read Proverbs and find a hundred more if you want to. Uh, But look, think about these, and look for ways to teach these six things to your children. Now, like I said, those are just some examples of that. It's just half the sermon. Now, not time-wise. Don't, don't get excited. Uh, we're way more than half done. Uh, but importance-wise, uh, that's just kind of an introduction. Because the important part is, uh, and this, these are important, I'll admit. It would be good to list these six things or pick your own top ten from Proverbs and make a curriculum of them. Uh, make your kids listen to them at every dinner. They say, tonight we're going to talk about this one. Uh, make them commit them to memory. I don't care. Well, that would be a good thing. Uh, but it might not work. Because there is a secret that I haven't told you yet. Uh, the secret to imparting wisdom is not making a curriculum and talking about it all the time. The secret to imparting wisdom is your example. Someone said once, every father should remember that one day his son will follow his example instead of his advice. Not always true, but it's generally true. And it's not just true for fathers and sons, it's true for mothers and daughters as well. Children, watch our every move. Uh, if you haven't figured, if you're a new parent and haven't figured that out yet, there's a tip for you. Uh, they watch your every move. That's how they learn to navigate life. They watch how you do it. They absorb and process Everything, even when it doesn't seem like they are. They're watching, they're learning, and how you do it, all these things. So all these six items, what I'm trying to say is all these six items can be taught, but they are much better caught. Fathers, look through that list again. Do you fear God? Do your children see that? Do they see you respecting and and fearing, displeasing God? Do they see you guarding your mind, watching what you put into it? Do they see you picking good companions? They see you watching your words. Do you set a good work example? Do you manage your money to honor the Lord? That's what they'll learn from, is how you do things. It's good to teach them, but the secret is your example. Let me close with a very negative example of that, and maybe it will show you what I'm talking about. Here's a couple of verses from First Kings about Solomon, the one who wrote Proverbs. It says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight. And a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. He was wiser than any other man. That's Solomon. 
that's who wrote the checklist. That's who we're talking about this morning, his wisdom. Now, we don't know how many children he had. The Bible doesn't tell us about very many. I mean, he probably had a whole bunch knowing his behavior. But we are told he had one son named Rehoboam. And Rehoboam grew up to be the heir apparent and became king after Solomon died. Let's see how that worked out. Here's the story of Rehoboam in Second Chronicles chapter 12. Verse 1 says, When the rule of Rehoboam was established and he was strong, he abandoned the law of the Lord. And verse 9 says, So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. He took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took away everything. I told you this was a negative example. What happened? Solomon, the man wiser than any other man. The guy that wrote Proverbs. He wrote the checklist for us. He wrote the book that I just told you, Father, go home and find your guidelines for raising children. He wrote it. And I don't know how he raised Rehoboam. He may have read part of Proverbs to him every night. I don't know. He may have made Rehoboam memorize it. But it doesn't matter because Solomon didn't live it. Solomon tells himself in the book of Ecclesiastes how he lived his life. And he lived his life looking for happiness, looking for the secret of life in everything he could find. He tried riches. He tried pleasure. He tried learning. He he tried all there was to try. And my guess is, like I said, I don't know how he raised Rehoboam. I don't know what he taught Rehoboam. But I can't imagine after reading Ecclesiastes and seeing how Solomon lived, I can't imagine that he was very present in bringing up Rehoboam. I imagine that was entrusted to somebody else. And even if he was involved much in Rehoboam's life, Rehoboam was watching daddy. And he saw how he lived. So what happened? When he was established and strong, he abandoned the law of the Lord. Because of that, he lost everything. Not just a negative example, a very sad example. Uh, Father doesn't have to be perfect. Has to be present. So I encourage you fathers, I hope this has been a little bit of help to you. Uh, I encourage you to take your role seriously, uh, not just by teaching it, but by living it. Uh, today, I hope you, all of you fathers that are here are honored, especially well by your families. I hope our worship has been honoring to the Father. Uh, as we've come and sung and prayed and uh, read his word and thought about him, I pray that that has honored him. Uh, there are many broken relationships 
in this world between fathers and children. There's broken relationships between our Heavenly Father and us as His children. Uh, you may not be in the right relationship with God the Father. Uh, if so, if you need to be reconciled to Him, if you need to become His child, uh, if you need to find out how to become His child or how to be reconciled, our elders are going to go to the back and be at the doors. They'd be happy to talk with you about any of those things. If you have a public need this morning, let's stand and sing and you may go to the back.